Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger. And today I am joined by special guest, Coach Brittany Gable. Brittany, hey, how's it going? Good. Glad to be back. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about energy balance, metabolism, some things that you maybe would guess that affect metabolism and some that you maybe are just, you have questions about the science behind whether or not it's legit. So the first thing we want to kind of describe is just basic energy balance. So the laws of thermodynamics is basically you have the food that you ingest and that's your energy. And then you, um, you know, activities throughout the day are your output. And so if you want weight loss in general, you're going to need to either move more than you consume. Um, and then the opposite effect, if you're consuming more than you're burning or moving around, then you're going to have that like positive versus negative energy balance. And so if you want to maintain, obviously you're going to kind of keep those steady. So if you're thinking about it, like a tipping scale, um, that's always a good visual in terms of like input and output. And we're going to specifically talk about metabolism. And I think in a fitness, um, obviously in a fitness setting, so metabolism is just your total amount of energy expenditure and how many calories you're going to burn each day. So if an athlete has a really fast metabolism, then their body is going to burn more calories at a faster rate than they can eat in food essentially. And then if you have like a quote unquote low metabolism, your body's going to burn less calories and they're going to have to diet on way less calories um, to see that weight loss. So when we talk about metabolic rates between individuals, there's so many things that factor in, you know, I kind of put it in a very simple example of like energy in and energy out, but there's so many different factors that come into play that individualize our metabolism. And some of those things, you know, can make it vary between there's some individuals that would be the same height and weight where they, their metabolic rate is 1400 calories. And then some that are 5,700 calories and at the same body weight. So you can see how there's definitely a difference and, um, we're going to investigate so to speak in this podcast about how those of you that maybe think you have a slow metabolism or do in fact, um, and you have to, you know, usually diet on very low calories or do tons of movement and cardio. We're going to try to investigate some ways that you can maybe eat a little bit more food and do a little bit less activity to get, achieve the same amount of weight loss. So there's several different examples that we're going to go through. And the first one is cold water. Um, so I'll take that one, but basically if you're drinking water, um, if it's cold water, so like an eight ounce gla glass of cold water, you're going to burn eight more calories than you would for a glass of water at room temperature. So when you think about it, your body has to expend calories to, um, digest in general. So, in that sense for the water, it has to heat it back up. So that's going to take extra energy, which is, you know, an eight extra calories that you really don't have to do a lot for. You're probably going to drink water anyway. So, you know, moral of the story in this sense is if you want just a little bit extra burn, you can go for the cold water. Um, 
how much that's really going to impact your overall energy deficit and um, caloric burn. It's going to be pretty minimal. Eight calories isn't a ton. Um, but the thing that might help you is if you are consuming water, you might feel more full. And in reality, I think that's probably one of the main things um, because you'll be less likely to overeat if you're hydrated. So that's my take on the water one. So it might work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the next one is green tea. So science says three out of four studies um, found no effect. One study found you can burn about 79 calories, but it was a study of seven people for a 24 hour period. So we know that that probably was just a really good day for those people. <laughs> um, so green tea can help. I think in a sense of like the water, it can help um, fill you up a little bit more, maybe give you a little bit more energy because it does have a little caffeine in it. Um, caffeine can suppress your appetite. So it may or may not work, but we're going to put it in the category of it probably doesn't work. It's not going to make or break your progress if you drink green tea. Yeah, the couple of meta-analyses that were long-term studies versus that short-term one, um, they basically showed that there was no evidence um, yeah. stating that it is great for antioxidant purposes. That would be one thing, but for metabolism, no bueno. <laughs> All right, next we're going to talk about spicy foods. So when it comes to spicy foods, they're, for one thing, it slows you down. So um, in, a, in terms of overeating, it can be very beneficial there, but let's look into the science behind like, does it actually burn extra calories by eating spicy foods? And the answer is kind of a yes. Um, if you're eating something with chili peppers specifically because they have an ingredient of capsaicin and you'll find that capsaicin is in a lot of fat burners due to this um, thermogenic effect. And so if you're eating chili peppers, um, you know, you could some of the studies show that people can burn up to 69 extra calories from the capsaicin, but these studies were done in obese individuals. So if you're taking a fit prep lifer, you're probably going to be closer to like a 20 calorie deficit, um, off the capsaicin and eating the chili peppers. But, you know, in all reality, like you can, um, just supplement that capsaicin in the form of a supplement or, you can, you know, we can put it in the category that it might work because, you know, the spicy food in general, like I said before, it's going to slow you down. You're going to have to drink more water because your mouth's going to be on fire. So you're going to fill yourself up with water. You're going to slow down with your eating. You're going to give your brain more time to process the fact that, okay, I've just gotten a hunger signal because I took my time eating this meal. Um, in today's society, we tend to kind of scarf down our food and then look at our plate and wonder like what the heck happened to it. And it takes about 20 minutes for the brain to process that it's full. So in this situation, I think more on from a mindful eating standpoint, it could be beneficial versus like the actual science behind um, the chilies. Yeah. I think all of these kind of are based upon the actual like how much time we are consistent with them and how they actually are benefiting us. But 
Um, the next one is sauna. So the sauna can increase your heart rate um, all the way up from 20 to 25 beats per minute than like your normal resting rate um, because your body is trying to cool itself down. Um, so you can burn about 19 calories per 10 minutes versus about 14 calories in a normal room. Um, so it's not that big of a difference, but I think it has a lot more of a placebo effect or it can help. Um, with more recovery purposes. So we're not as inflamed. So we're not holding on to some water weight, stuff like that. Um, but it probably doesn't work so much with helping our metabolism um, increase or decrease at all. Yeah. From a calorie standpoint, for sure. I do think it definitely has CNS benefits in terms of, you know, bringing stress down and, um, you know, that's one of the hormones that really does affect metabolism is your cortisol. So your stress hormone, if it keeps getting dumped a lot, you're going to become insulin resistant. And so you're not gonna be able to process carbs as well. So yeah. for, for the sauna part of it, yeah, getting that, um, like the stress relief part down and bringing that down, I think is where it becomes beneficial. All right. Um, so on our overrated, underrated. I know we talked about ice baths and they're a big hype right now when it comes to social media. I feel like everybody's taking these like cold bath plunges and it's super trendy and oxygen consumption does increase just as it does in the sauna when you do a cold plunge. Um, but it's more about the shivering probably in this situation where you're going to burn a little bit more calories because the muscles are contracting as you're shivering. Um, which is why when you work out in a cold temperature, like if you take a run outside and it's cold versus hot, um, you know, sometimes because of that shivering and the muscle extra contractions, you're going to um, burn a little bit more calories for a cold run versus a warm. So again, the difference is very negligible. Like you had mentioned, the sauna is only a five calorie difference um, from just sitting in a normal temperature. So this one's 28 versus 14. So you can see it's, it's not that much um, more. And so we're just going to put that in the probably doesn't work category. Um, other benefits, though, of ice baths is that it can pull down inflammation. So, you know, from a scale perspective for both the sauna and the ice baths, you'll probably weigh a little bit less on the scale in terms of like the um, the water weight that you'll sweat out in the sauna will lower your weight in that sense. And then with the ice baths, just like the constriction of the blood vessels and, um, bringing down that inflammation and swelling, that'll be, um, a benefit for just the scale only, but no real composition difference. Yeah. And in just the scale only until you eat or drink again, Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's gonna until you rehydrate or yeah, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. work out again yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next one is the exciting one because this one is finally one we all know that works is building muscle. So uh, one pound of fat can burn about one calorie per day. So one pound of muscle, though, can burn up to six calories a day. So let's just say if you burn 30 or if you have 30 pounds of fat you're going to burn 30 calories in a day. But if you have 80 pounds of muscle, you're going to burn 480 calories per day. So that's why we always say 
if you just gain more muscle, even just sitting there, you burn more calories. So you can eat more, having more muscle, you can, um, you know, not have to do as much just by having more muscle. So, um, in new lifters, they can add up to 30 pounds of muscle. Um, that's a little extreme. (laughs) I think that happens maybe very, very new lifters, but for males, especially yeah, males. Yeah. Yeah. Um, females probably 12 pounds would be like a new lifter I would say is a newbie gain reality maybe 20 if they're like really had never done anything (laughs) yeah yeah so in a sense like saying like maybe when we started as a new lifter we're burning about 2,500 calories per day um, within our just everyday life and then we add on that 20, 30 pounds of muscle and we can burn up to 2,600 calories per day. So like just adding that muscle helps us look better, feel better, but also burn more calories. So it's definitely going to work with increasing our metabolism for sure. Yeah. And I get the question a lot, especially from just like lifestyle clients that don't appreciate the value of lifting so much as we do in the prep life. So they'll, they'll say, you know, why can't I just do cardio? Like I really enjoy cardio. I don't really like lifting weights. Um, you know, won't that just change my composition when I lose weight that way? And, um, the answer is yes, you can lose weight because the law of thermodynamics basically states, you know, you have to be burning more than you're consuming. So you could, diet really hard and do a lot of cardio and you would definitely lose weight. Absolutely. But the effort that has to be exerted is a lot more difficult when you don't have a lot of muscle mass because your body, it's a metabolic tissue that your body has to maintain that muscle. So your body has to work really hard to keep the muscle in terms of like keeping it well-fed and things. So the answer is you definitely want to weight train and get like a mixture of both because you'll just, you'll be like, you want to be in the gym and you're going to be burning more calories Yeah, when it comes down to it. You can be sitting on the couch and burning more calories as long as you go weight train, you know, in the day. And so that's just like, is that even a question? (laughs) Yeah. You stop once you're off the treadmill or whatever you're doing for cardio, that's it. Like whatever you burn while you're doing cardio, that's what you burn. Like with weightlifting, you're burning calories while you're lifting and exerting that energy, but then you're also just burning it throughout the day from muscle Mm -hmm. being more metabolic. So definitely does work. Okay. So reverse dieting. And, um, when we talk about reverse dieting, you know, there's different ways of doing that. And I think a lot of contest prep coaches use this term, um, fluidly and not specifically in terms of like, what exactly does that mean? Does reverse dieting, you know, I think the person that kind of like created it, if you were to say it would be like Lane Norton, or at least he popularized it, mm-hmm. probably got it from Joe, Dr. Joe Klimczewski. I'm not really sure, but Um, that's kind of when the trend started happening was when, um, Lane Norton was very vocal about, you know, the purpose of reverse dieting, the importance of that. And I think maybe it got misconstrued as to like what that actually looked like, because I think people misunderstood that when you're dieting and prepping for a show, it should be very slow, steady to maintain as much muscle as possible. But when you're reversing out of a show, you don't really want to go slow and steady. 
Um, yeah, you do want to use like restraint in terms of like, you don't want to go bonkers after a show, but I do think like for our athletes, I always, you know, tell all of our coaches and you're probably on the same page, obviously, um, since you're part of this community is just that, and I've, I've done it for you as an athlete as well, but you need to get up to like, at least your new maintenance calories immediately after a show. So for most females, because we're at a lower weight, our metabolisms are like, we require less calories to maintain a smaller body. So our new maintenance calories are a lot lower when we're stage lean, just because we don't have the size. And so, you know, it may only be for a female, like a hundred to 200 calories to get them back up to maintenance. Um, but in actuality, like that's something that I think is important to think about. So, you don't necessarily need to, um, like go slow. You can do a recovery diet if that's better. Um, but I think just, you know, thinking about that in terms of like, does it help your metabolism? I think if you don't rebound and go like totally crazy after a show, it can help you, you know, build your metabolism a little bit stronger. Like what I've noticed is that I find that people can kind of maintain their body weight if they really stick to the reverse diet correctly. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, continue to grow muscle, continue to get leaner. Sometimes we reverse diet into shows where they're dieting, like quote unquote, on very high calories. But yeah, it's it's very person to person dependent. So we'll just put that in the it might work category for now. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I just think it's, yeah, like you said, there's, there's not any specific of what it is because it can be different for everybody. Um, you know, some people do well with the gradual, some people do well with the going right to maintenance and, and just to clarify your maintenance is not the same as when you started your journey, your maintenance continues to go down as your deficit goes down. So your new maintenance isn't going to be the same. So that's why like, it sounds like a lot, but it actually sometimes isn't. Um, and I know from personal experience, when we reversed me, uh, gosh, we reversed me for two shows last year. And mm-hmm. I think we increased like six to 800 calories um, within two or three months, just because my metabolism was just fired and I was burning through food like crazy. So it all kind of comes together. The more muscle you have, the more food you burn. And then with reverse dieting, if you do it in the correct way, um, it just, you just can't get enough food. You just keep losing weight. So that's the ideal thing to have, but to a certain extent, cause then you got to stop. It's like, I can't eat anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I love reverse dieting and using for clients and myself. It it works really well. Um, So the next one is meal frequency. So, um, you know, whether you're eating three meals per day or 14 meals per day um, within the same caloric intake um, with studies and things that they've shown that there's really no difference in energy expenditure at all. So it's not going to change your metabolism, but it may change the way you overeat or undereat or anything like that. So if you are used to eating three meals, but 
you're going over your macros or you're overeating, stuff like that, maybe breaking it up into smaller meals throughout the day can help you stay on track better because your blood sugar levels maybe go off and on and you get hungry certain times of the day. Um, When you are lifting really hard, um, you are going to be hungrier throughout the day. So maybe not having three meals because you're pre post workout, that's two. And then you only have one more. And so sometimes, you know, at least five is, is a good, um, kind of medium with that. Cause you can have your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then your pre and post workout. And then it kind of stays with that. So, um, under the categories, we'll put it under probably doesn't work because meal frequency doesn't really coincide with how to increase or decrease your metabolism. Yeah. And the study that Brittany's referring to, they were locked in a, basically a, a facility where they were monitored constantly. So it's a really good study when they can control the variables. So they were controlling exactly what the subjects were eating how they were working out. It was all in a lab and that's very expensive to do, but to do that over three days and to, you know, see like between 14 and three meals that there was absolutely no difference. Um, those circumstances I think are very valid because it is very controlled. Whereas when you do these studies about like energy expenditure and things where you have people doing it from their home, you know, and things like that, where it's not in a controlled environment, you're not completely in control of like, if they don't eat the exact nutrition that you're like prescribing to them, or they're not like adhering to a certain type of intensity and workout and things like that. Um, other things just to share a personal story. One of my clients who is a longtime competitor and she took like a couple years off and is now coming back. Um, she was previously eating three meals a day. And, um, we found like in the last month that she's lost like 5% body fat, And I think she was down like two inches, like in multiple um, measurements, like throughout her body, um, specifically in her waist from the fit 3d scan. And I think the biggest change with her is that each week we added another meal. So we started with three, what she was used to. And then as her metabolism started responding, we started adding. So now she's up to six meals and really that frequency of her just getting, adequate protein bolus throughout the day of like at least 20 grams of protein six times a day. She wasn't, she was finding that she wasn't overeating at dinner because in the past she would like get busy with work, you know, just have the solid three. And then she was so hungry at night that she would find herself like overeating and getting so ravenous. So I think to your point of just like showing in that situation, like for her meal frequency is a big deal because, um, what she can actually sustain within her macros is what, you know, it comes down to So if you're a person that can eat one meal a day and you're totally good with that, you're good with fasting the rest of the day, but you just want one big meal and it fits your macros and it hits exactly to keep you in that caloric deficit by all means you can do it because it will have the same effect as doing six meals as the Mm -hmm. science has shown, it's just really about, I think so much with weight loss is about like, what is sustainable, what fits within your life. And then, you know, what causes like these behaviors that you don't want to happen, like overeating, um, occur, which we've talked about in several examples, like with the spicy food, the water, et cetera. Okay. So now that brings us into our next 
one that actually works. So uh, we mentioned that, you know, building muscle works, but doing cardio works and you really, you're going to burn calories. And um, it's just one thing, the one caveat that I would say with cardio. And again, I'm thinking of another client example. She was deep into her improvement season, hadn't done cardio in a long time. We've just had a step goal and she just recently added cardio back in. And it was crazy because we saw like her steps stayed exactly the same from the week that she didn't implement the cardio. And she didn't see like, oh, like, um, she was just kind of like, why is this? You know, I would think that like, you know, if I added cardio in and I said, well, it's really weird because there's this basic phenomenon that happens is that you have this compensation um, basically theory that, you know, once your body recognizes like, Hey, I'm expending more energy, your body tries to stay at homeostasis. So it was just interesting that she stayed at the same step count, even though she had implemented the cardio. So she down-regulated in other aspects of her, her day, whether that be through neat activities. So like fidgeting, shuffling, standing up more, like walking from, you know, she may just have more energy to do other things. And then the cardio kind of like down-regulated that, if that makes sense. I don't know if I just kind of like blubbered through that, but hopefully that, that was understandable. Did you have anything to add on that? No. Yeah. Practically what you're saying is the more cardio you do, the less energy you're going to have throughout the day. So the less fidgeting your body's going to do, the less blinking, the less like moving your hands around like this. Um, And lots of energy. (laughs) I only did 10 minutes of cardios today, so I don't have that much, (laughs) but yeah. Um, cardio you want to always use as a tool and yes, it does work with your metabolism. Obviously it helps you burn more calories. You're going to lose weight. Your metabolism going to get better, but to an extent cardio also can be the reason why you're not seeing as much results because you aren't, um, you know, you're giving all your energy for the whole day on that cardio. And then your whole body is just like, sloth mode <laughs> the whole yeah. rest of the day. So, um, yeah. So just the main goal is just keep like the rest of your day solid. Like don't eliminate walks that you would normally do like with your dog or like don't park further away. Like make sure you're still moving outside, which is why we count steps and cardio, you know, yeah, make sure that your stay, your movement is staying consistent and that's your need, your non-exercise activity. Um, or so increasing next, if your coach increases your cardio. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> Basically, like you had the baseline and then you increase the cardio. So your your movement should be higher, not the same for that. Yes. Reason. Yeah. The whole reason why we add cardio in is to add to what we're already doing. So we don't want to okay. stop doing what we've been doing. Um, so the next one's weighted vest. Um, neither of us have tried this, but because of what we're about to say, we may want to try it out. Um, so with a weighted vest, it's going to be putting 20, 30 pounds, whatever, how heavy the vest is for you, but it's going to make your body think that you're heavier than you actually are. So it's confusing the body, um, to think it weighs more. So with that, we have Gravistat sensors in our body that senses the changes of loads on our bones. So when we gain muscle, stuff like that, 
that gradually changes. But when we wear a weighted vest, it confuses our body, thinks we weigh more. So it thinks we have more load on our bones. So it's going to in turn increase the caloric expenditure. Um, and sometimes it can decrease hunger levels as well. So if you think of it, think of in a prep, Oh, most bikini competitors, I don't know, in a prep, like 130, 140. If we wear a 20 pound vest, um, you know, throughout our prep, our body's going to think we're like 160 um, until obviously we lose weight throughout the, the process, but it's always going to think we're 20 pounds heavier than we actually are. So um, again, maybe that happens to like also muscle too. Maybe our body thinks that, I don't know, that's something that maybe popped in my mind. I'm going to have to research that, but, um, you know, thinking in that way, you're going to burn more calories because your body thinks you weigh more. You're going to, um, provide more energy output during your lifting, during your cardio, during your walks, stuff like that. So that's, it's going to be under, it might work. And I definitely, I kind of want to try this. <laughs> yeah. There was a new study. Um, I think it was a bodybuilder that he had tried this and he noticed that it was like an easier prep in terms of like, he wasn't as hungry and he got completely peeled, like got down to 5% body fat. Um, hopefully more, research will get published on that. Um, but he had mentioned that it was, yeah, one of his best preps ever. And he literally wore the, um, the weighted vest like everywhere so that his body would think he was 30 pounds heavier, I guess. Um, pretty cool. I'm very intrigued by that. I'm definitely thinking about investing in one myself. <laughs> so, okay. Um, so one of the last ones, it would be slow dieting. So, uh, the more aggressive the cut, the more rapidly your metabolic rate will decrease. And, um, you know, if your aim is to lose like 0.5 to 1% um, of your body weight per week, then, you know, the slow dieting is going to help preserve muscle. It's going to, um, you know, allow you to drop the right kind of weight in terms of fat versus muscle. And, you know, with our athletes, we reverse engineer their goal. And so for most, most females, depending on what they weigh, of course, it's completely individualized, but we want to do like a pound a week on average. Um, if they're a little bit bigger, they might do two pounds a week. Um, but again, back to that, like kind of 1% of their body weight and just kind of re, you know, reverse engineering from when their show date is how much fat loss they need between now and then to get to a, a show weight that's going to be competitive. So just remember that the slow dieting does work. So this is the third item that does work. So just to recap on those ones that do work, it's, you know, building muscle, doing cardio and slow dieting. Um, so slow and steady wins the race. I think we, oh, we have one more that works as well. We have four. So you'll take the last one. Yes. Yeah, so the last one that work is neat smuggling. So neat is your non-exercise activity. So smuggling all of that. So um, getting in more steps, parking farther away. Um, what I like to do, like for laundry, I'll fold my piles and I'll take one pile at a time back to the bedroom and put it away. Um, you know, going for more walks, stuff like that. Um, just you know, over time that adds up and just doing it like little bits like that, it makes it to where you not, 
you don't think you have to take a walk all the time and you're just moving more throughout the day. Um, I know this in my experience. Um, <laughs> last year, I got so used to my steps and I just got into a routine of just moving around more. I really liked it. And then once we were starting to reverse diet and we we're going the opposite way, we're trying to bring steps down, we're trying to bring cardio down, food up, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was like almost fighting myself because I was feeling lazy because I wasn't moving around as much as I was. So I made it so much of a change in my lifestyle that my body was wanting to move. And so when I would sit for too long, I almost would get fidgety and stuff. So it does help to smuggle that in for a good amount of time being consistent with it. And then your body just kind of wants it. Um, So that definitely works for sure. Yeah. Uh, I like all those examples. And so if you're interested in more content like this, you know, we actually, a lot of this content came from Jeff Nifford's um, YouTube channel, which I absolutely love. He is absolutely brilliant. We wanted to put our own spin on it in terms of like creating like our, our own like personal examples with each of these, these items. But um, the last thing that we're going to leave you with is just general weight loss success in our minds is, the essential things that you need. So we gave you the four, it works of just like metabolic, basically hacks. I kind of hate that word, but like, I guess that was like your metabolic hack. Uh, But the true foundation of weight loss is, you know, number one, being more physically active. You want to take the next one? Number two is regularly weighing yourself. It doesn't have to be every day, at least weekly. Yep. And then weight training, of course. And then making lifestyle changes. Yep. And this can be different things like we mentioned today, like the, you know, maybe changing the meal frequency, maybe doing some neat smuggling, um, maybe being aware of not only just your movement and your exercise plan, but also throughout the day. Um, Number five is tracking macros. So making sure you're staying on with your nutrition. And number six is having a coach for accountability. It is crazy how much better your progress can be, um, how better you feel, how more confident you feel in yourself when you have a coach to give you a plan and you just execute that plan and you learn more about your body. Um, it, it takes it's hard to do it on your own, um, because you see yourself all the time and you know what you're doing. So having somebody else looking in on your life can, you know, maybe just help you with neat smuggling, like, Oh, I didn't think about parking farther away, or I didn't think about taking extra trips during doing chores around the house, stuff like that. Um, those are obviously simple things, but like weight training weekend, plan your weight training, um, plan your cardio, plan your macros, nutrition, all that stuff. Sometimes it's hard to know what you should be doing, what you should be doing with all aspects in within how to lose weight and have success with it and keep it off. Um, but yeah, so having a coach is probably one of the biggest things because it helps you do all the other five. Yeah. And please, if you're listening on YouTube, please comment below as far as like what your biggest takeaway was from this podcast. 
I know from the research and looking into these different things, I think the biggest thing I took away was that I'm probably going to invest in a weighted vest for my cardio at the very least. I probably won't wear one all the time, but um, I do think that would be an extra, um, you know, resistance. And I'm interested to see if it will help at all. Um, so any thoughts to close with other than that? Yeah, um, I'm also thinking about doing the weighted vest. So maybe we can get it together and try it out and do a podcast later and let you all know how it may or may not work. Um, but yeah, it's just all in all, um, you know, just taking every little aspect of your life and trying to make it better and and not like nitty gritty things. These are a bunch of things all together, but in the huge game scheme. I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Um, it's, you know, as long as you're eating right, you're working out, you're moving throughout the day, you're going to get there sometime. And, um, as long as you stick with it and uh, you only fail if you quit and give up. So just keep going. And if you are struggling on your own, reach out for a coach. Um, you can go to glamgirlbikini.com and hit the get started button to sign up with us if you'd like us to help you on the journey. Um, but yeah, it it's it's really fun to take on the journey with all of this stuff and learn um, for yourself. Um, so 10 years down the road, when maybe you're not wanting to compete anymore, <laughs> um, you can pull out these tools and know how to get back on track with yourself. Yeah. And you can find us on Instagram at glam girl bikini or at prep life podcast. And this is your founder and CEO of glam girl bikini, Amy Anger signing off. Thanks for listening guys.